0: The noise was unbearable. To our left, from the direction of the Forum, the Nova Via emptied into the plaza about one hundred yards from our vantage point. Now, bursting from the wide avenue came a running throng. They did not stop to admire the temples or basilicas that lined its borders, but ran as if safety lay without the city walls. Many of them were shouting, some were screaming. They were pushed almost physically by stentorian blasts echoing and rebounding off every surface. Herclides tried to rally his men, but except for Palamon, they had voted with a majority and were heading in a diagonal stream across the plaza to blend into the mob and escape whatever horror approached. I saw what at first I took to be a Roman general sitting tall and imperious on a black, high-stepping stallion, both horse and rider adorned in polished silver furnishings. But no, this was no Roman, but a demon in human guise. It was bald, yet from the top of its head sprouted two curved horns, each almost a foot in length. Its ears hung thick and low to its neck, framing a gaping, scowling mouth below flattened nose and slitted eyes. It turned to look in our direction, and I flinched, fighting the urge to run. Then it pointed at us, and I did shut my eyes but only for an instant. I don't think anyone noticed. The origin of the terrible noise now became visible, but seeing the source did nothing to quiet the argument between the frantic voice of reason urging me to flee and the wonder-struck curiosity cooing foolishly to tarry and behold this spectacle. The imposter general's minions appeared. Row after row of bare-chested creatures in motley leggings and boots of rough-cut hides. Their skin was a brilliant blue painted with swirls and slashes of crimson. The hair that sprouted from below their nostrils hung almost as low as their braids. Each of them held aloft a vertical, six-foot-tall length of brass that ended in a bristling head, some with the likeness of boars, some dragons, some horses. As they entered the plaza, the notes they blew from these instruments leapt from deep, droning tones to shrill barks and ear-splitting yips. It was enough to make one beg for a return to the first noise that had set our skin to crawling, sonorous by comparison, or at the very least for a good pair of waxed earplugs. The instrument, I later learned, was called a cornix and there would come only one other time in my life when I heard a cacophony of sound that constricted my heart with more dread. As soon as the last barbarian herald cleared the narrow neck of the street, chariots spilled out and around the marchers, their horses eager to find their legs. The occupants of these careening vehicles appeared to be shouting at the top of their lungs, but we could hear nothing above the braying of the brass and the rumble of the iron wheels. The drivers crouched low in front, their vision in danger of being obscured by the flying tails of the two stout horses that seemed to be barely under their control. Around these horses' necks were strung a decoration of large bells, but again they made no sound that we could hear. Behind the men with the reins stood warriors taller than any Roman, with oval shields and raised javelins. Their bronze helmets fearsome with spikes, fat horns, even full-sized statuettes of ravens in flight. As they flew ever closer, we could see that the woven sides of their chariots were adorned with the grisly evidence of their prowess, the shriveled heads of their enemies, tied in place by their own knotted hair. These trophies bounced and knocked about with each turn of the wheels. The racing steeds wore no necklaces of silent bells. They too were draped with grisly gourds now empty of the essence that in life had made them men.